Welcome to SADCAST, the podcast for working creatives. This is episode 73. I'm your host, Pamela Runes. As you know, Toni Morrison passed away recently, and with that comes the inevitable onslaught of quote posts. But there were a couple things that really stuck out to me. Uh, one of them was, you are not the work you do, you are the person you are, and your real life is with us, your family. So it can be, you know, really easy to like lose yourself in your work as a creative. Like thinking that if your work is shit, then you are shit, and then you drag those pissy feelings home and take them out on your loved ones. <laughs> and I'm not proud of being guilty of this. It's something I definitely struggle with. But, you know, those are good reminders, especially if you feel anxious or stressed out about a project, reminding yourself that it's not my whole life. If I fuck up this project, the world won't end. I have a whole other life at home. If you really want a reality check, just visit your parents. <laughs> I don't know about you, but mine don't really talk about my work or care particularly about my projects because that's so separate from me as a person to them. So seeing yourself through their eyes can be useful in that way. Uh, you know, it reminds me of the rest of my being. It can almost be scary because like so much of my identity is wrapped up in what I do. So like, who am I without my work anyway? Anyway, something to think about. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of family, a very surreal thing has happened. I found out that I have a half-brother that no one knew about. You know, shout out to Ancestry.com, which is how it all came to pass. It's pretty wild. I'm meeting him for the first time today, actually. So I'll let you know how that goes. So you know what's back? My little segment, One Minute with an Account Manager. Today we're going to be talking with Dan Kulik from Rethink, where I work. So convenient. This is me on the regular, so you know. Yeah, yeah, you know that I go. This is me on the regular, so you know. This is me on the regular, so you know. Yeah, yeah, you know that I go. My name is Dan Kulik. I'm a group account director at Rethink. The most annoying thing I find about creatives are maybe that sometimes they act like children and I wish they'd act like grown-ups. No, I never feel jealous of creatives. I feel like they have one of the hardest jobs and they need to constantly be willing to put like their children, aka their ideas, in front of people and have them shot down and I just don't think I have the internal strength and confidence to have that happen repeatedly and be able to keep moving forward. The advice I would give a credit person right before a presentation would be to practice that presentation before you give it. The worst thing you could do is go into a presentation and do a cold for the very first time. This is me on the regular saying you know. So my guest for today is Elisa Forneray. Elisa Forneray is a writer and facilitator creating spaces for people to explore grief. Her work focuses on how we can support each other through grief at work as well as in our personal relationships. And she's fiercely committed to making sure we have more conversations about grief, death, and dying. Her written work has been featured on the pages of SAD, Modern Loss, Grief Dialogues, Vancouver Magazine, Loam, and Kinfolk, among others. She's been featured on NPR, InStyle, and CTV as a subject matter expert in the professional grief and death sectors. This should be a really fascinating conversation, and hopefully not too much of a bummer. <laughs> Here's my chat with Elisa. Yeah. That's fun. Thanks for coming here today. Of course. This is of great. Course. 
can you explain to me exactly what it is to be like a facilitator for grief and like what it is you do? Yeah, of course. So I create digital resources um, that explore ways that we can think about grief differently. And then in addition to that, after I was like really comfortable writing about grief and doing that work online, I decided to take it offline um, and host events, workshops, and do some facilitation, creating space for people to have conversations and um, just interact with other people who are grieving and then also look at ways that we can take care of each other in relation to each other um, while we're grieving or supporting each other. How did you get into that? Yeah. 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 So in October 2016, my mom died. Mm. And the year before, since about December 2015, I'd been working on a print project, um, a broadsheet newspaper called Crow Pie. And the theme of it was death. And so I'd been like in this world of death oh, already. Yeah, yeah already. Um, by coincidence, it was just a random theme that we'd picked for the first issue of this project we were working on. And when my mom died, I realized, okay, I've been working in this realm. I've been having conversations about death for about a year now. I'm I'm comfortable with the topic, so maybe I should look at turning it inward, dealing with my own grief, dealing mm-hmm. with my own loss, dealing with the death of my mom that was unexpected. Um, and so, yeah, as I've been a writer for over 10 years, so I figured why not play in this space and see what kind of impact I can have. Um, what were you writing before? Like, yeah, writing about grief, food writing. Interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was. Um, they kind of go together. They do. They definitely do. Um, my like undergrad, I studied creative nonfiction um, and ethnography, so I was doing a lot of field research, writing a lot of random papers about like casseroles and <laughs> crawfish boils and how people convene and have communal experiences around food. So I was doing that in the US, I was doing it in Mexico, I was doing it all over. Um, and then, yeah, we when we kicked off this project, The Broadsheet, we did a lot of food-centered stuff around grief. And so I was still sort of hanging on to that food yeah. part of things. Yeah. Um, and now I do facilitate some events called Death Over Dinner. Ooh. So the food thread is still, still with me. Like I yeah. still keep it there because for me, like, nourishing our bodies when we're going through something incredibly tough or just talking about anything that's incredible. I was like, I want to bring snacks today, but I shouldn't eat while we're recording. But my brain is always just like, I need to be <laughs> yeah, eating yeah. while I'm doing this kind of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was I was writing about food, working for magazines. and. Food Would you and say you're like a foodie or is it more about like the emotional tie to food? That's interesting. I can definitely appreciate a good meal. Yeah. We went to, my partner and I went to Kisatanto oh, so on good. Wednesday night. And I was like, I forgot what it was like to just sit and talk to a bartender, too, for a long time and yeah. have, like, a conversation about food. food. Yeah. Um, but I also will eat, like, a box of mini corn dogs on a yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, un- <laughs> From the oven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think for, for my career, it's always been more about understanding how people connect over food and the, the role that food plays in our connection to each other, history, um, and looking at it from, like, an anthropological lens. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's really interesting when, yeah, you tie it to grief and, like, how, like, a dish could remind you of someone or home or whatever. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, talk to me a little bit about um, Dead Moms Club. Yeah. So 
when my mom died, um, one of the first things that I heard from people whose moms had also died was, you're in the club now. And it was this explanation, the explanation that they had of it was, there are things that people are just going to understand or know not to say to you or know not to ask you when their mom has died. Um, And it really felt this, I felt this shift in who I could have conversations with about certain things related to my mom and my grief. Um, And so I realized, okay, we're like in this club, this idea of a club. Um, I was doing writing, I was making grief cards. And so I thought, okay, maybe there's this opportunity for me to create a a physical something um, that can live on people's jackets or that can live on their backpack um, that sort of expresses this experience that they're having of losing their mom and that they're potentially grieving right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started making lapel pins. Mm -hmm. Um, So after I made the lapel pins and started writing about it and doing that work, um, this past Mother's Day was the first time that I hosted an event called Motherless Mother's Day. And it was like, okay, we can talk about it. We can have the pins. I see people, people see them, they're like, oh, you're the girl that makes depends um yeah but it was really important to get people in a room so that we could actually spend time together yeah so um from that concept of the dead moms club i hosted motherless mother's day over at work lab um for a bunch of people to just come and take care of themselves and have conversation and be around someone or a group of people that i describe it as sort of meeting in the middle mm-hmm. like you don't have to catch those people up to why you might not be having a good weekend the yeah. weekend before yeah. Mother's Day. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. duh. Like, of yeah. course, you feel like shit today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really special. And, and wow. it's one of the, you know, my mom is at the crux of all of the work that I do. So it's it's been incredible to sort of have things offshoot from that. But, yeah. So when you have those events, are you, um, like – pitching topics for people to be talking about or is it pretty loose so you just come together and talk about whatever or yeah how, what happens what happens <laughs> um, <laughs> so for this event um, I've done other workshops that are focused on grief in general or death in general but for this event um, there was like a there was a schedule and so what the the couple of things that I wanted to happen was I wanted people to eat so we mm-hmm. had food mm-hmm. um we shared some food together um we also did a class with philosophy so they do okay. like super low key yoga also mixed with massage so they have a bunch of people in the oh. room while you're doing yoga that come around and massage you um that it is potentially i don't know it, too much if you <laughs> if you it's like super light massage. Okay. So you're not like getting someone like working <laughs> into your hips. Um, it's just They're a just really, over. it's like a really beautiful opportunity, especially when you're grieving um, to feel a human connection, mm. which I really, really appreciate. The first time I took the class, I was like, this is the only way I ever want to do yoga again. Wow. Um, yeah. It, it's What's really it called? Special. Is it like called a thing? Philosophy is the organization, like the company, yeah. um, the Ash and Ash, they're both named Ash Run. Um, but we started the night with, yeah, some food. With that, we um, did a candle making workshop with homecoming. So I wanted people to take something away. So there was an opportunity to like create something mm-hmm. that would that you could take home. Um, and then we also did a journaling workshop with a woman named Carolyn from Penda Paper and did a journaling exercise that she led. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is like, 
Like My goal is it all. to yeah produce yeah. basically and bring a lot of people who have their own skills that can help people grieve and get through the process however they need to um, and hold the space as a person who like does the work and does the writing and does the research and you know has the experience with grief yeah um, but brings people in to to do what they do well and provide their work in maybe a space that they wouldn't have thought about before or for people who really really need it while they're grieving um but maybe don't feel comfortable like going to a yoga class and crying and a lot of us or like therapy or therapy it's it's very interesting yeah Yeah. what you do is like very experiential very communal yeah it's a lot different than like that individual experience with a therapist who might not even know even though they're trained but they might not personally have experienced that totally and sometimes i mean i see like multiple counselors i'm a huge advocate for like grief counseling, therapy, all of that. And at the same time, sometimes I don't need to talk. Sometimes I just need, this sounds, this is list hearing it in my head before it comes out of my mouth, it's really corny, but I just need to like feel something. Yeah. And like, that's why I think whatever, going for a walk by myself can be just as therapeutic as sitting and talking to my counselor about my mom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like moving my body and feeling something can be really important. How does your dad feel about all this? Yeah. So I started doing the work before talking to my dad about it. Um, And my dad and I, we had a fine relationship, but not a close relationship. And we've become incredibly, like, close. We're taking trips, just the two of us, like, doing all this stuff now. And I think a big part of it is that when I started doing the work, I didn't talk to him about it. And then one night... I got a message from him and he's like, I just sat down and read your whole website. And oh, wow. yeah, I was like, oh, that sounds also really exhausting and <laughs> terrible. Like, yeah, wow, shit. Wow. Um, I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> um, and he said, he was just like, you know, there are things that I would never have known about your experience and the things that you're, you know, missing about your mom or that you're feeling about grief um, if you weren't doing this work. And I think it's me putting it out there first, him finding it, sitting down and reading all of it. Um, those two things have allowed for us to sort of have a foundation of being able to talk about what he's going through and what I'm going through and what my sister may be going through and how to take care of each other. So I think it was weird at first. Um, but my dad is like, you know, they were married almost 40 years. Wow. Like they weren't married. They were together almost 40 years. And He's he knows my mom the best. Yeah. You know, in a way that I can't talk to anybody else about um, our life together in the way that I can with my dad. So I think he's just like incredibly supportive because it's important for us to be doing this work together. Has anyone ever approached you about doing like a dead dad's club? All the time. Wow. So these are are these happening elsewhere, do you know? Um, Who knows? A tiny part of me feels like if I do it, I'll, like, manifest my dad dying, which is really dumb and paranoid. Well, I know, but, but, like, it's, like, yeah. It's, it's, like, a real thing to think about. Um, so I am not in a place where I'm going to pursue that. Um, but I, there's lots of organizations and meetups and dinners for people who have dead parents um, yeah. in general. Yeah. There's a thing called the Dinner Party founded in the U.S. where people whose parents, just whatever parents are dead, um, can get together and have dinner. Um, and there's lots of other groups. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Do you ever, um, like, get sick of talking about grief? No. No? 
Yeah, I I don't. Um, and I think, well, I think why right now is because it feels really, really, really important to me to have the conversation with anyone willing to have it. Mm-hmm. Like the reason I'm doing this work is because I believe people should be having more conversations yeah. Yeah. and open conversations anywhere and everywhere about it. So like I'm I'm down to talk about this 24 hours a day. And I could. Yeah. Yeah. So what what would you say someone shouldn't say to someone whose uh, loved one has passed away? Um, I think first everyone needs different things. So I don't think there's a blanket yeah suggestion fair, that I fair. can give because even you know even saying something like well I'm glad she's dead like that could be great for some people to hear right I, I, yeah. I don't know fair, um, fair I think but are there some things that people do all the time that are for like, me oh, I can yeah. talk about like yeah, my experience yeah. yeah like um asking for me what's been really hard especially doing interviews and hopefully this question isn't like on your list but Around Mother's Day, I was getting asked, like, what would you do with your mom this Mother's Day if she could come back from the dead? Which is just stupid because she's not going to come back from the dead. Um, And it's there's a lot of other things that we can talk about. So I don't I'm not I just don't answer that question. Um, And I think, too, there are things that it's interesting. I'm getting married in a couple weeks and the things that. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. The things that like could be really nice on certain days, really hurt other days. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. people are like, it really sucks that your mom can't be there. And I'm like, yeah, it does suck. Like, it it really does suck. And other days I'm like, why would you say that to me? Yeah. It sucks. I don't want to talk about that right now. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's, it's day-to-day, it's different. I think the mean thing that I would tell anyone and everyone is think even a little bit before something comes out of your mouth. Yeah. And don't overthink it because yeah. there is a paralysis that we can get into um, where we analyze things and then don't say anything because we're too worried that we're going to yeah. hurt a person. But I think stuff just comes out of people's mouths quite often. Yeah. And you just, exactly. if you thought for like two more seconds, you're like, that's probably not a good thing to say. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard. I mean, and I guess it's just like use your words, but sometimes it's like, <laughs> do I avoid? mentioning mm-hmm. this completely but then that can be hurtful totally. it's like why are you ignoring this huge thing yeah but then at the same time you're saying catch me on a day where like if you mention it i'm like fuck you for mentioning it yeah yeah so it's it's tricky. complicated yeah it's complicated and it's you know i think it's what i've learned since my mom died is that like it really is about hopefully knowing a person that you're taking care of well enough to know like if you don't know what to say you can ask them what they need yeah if you know what they need just do it and don't overthink it if you have no idea what to do and you've never been in a situation where you've had to support someone like also i said this to somebody the other day like do some research yeah like go on the internet yeah look at things that you can or can or like can or can't or should or shouldn't say and just like think about it in relation to the specific person yeah that you're trying to support yeah just yeah. put in a little effort yeah people. right god <laughs> just like the a little bit um now I'll ask you maybe a weird question um yeah, do yeah. you believe in ghosts okay i thought about this when you guys did the ghost stories yeah i came and read at the ghost stories yeah I think that there are parts of, when I think about my mom, there are 
parts of my mom that manifest in like ways physically in my life that she can't as a person anymore. Mm. But I've definitely never like, like you've not seen, seen my mom like floating above my bed <laughs> yeah. at night, like fully awake, yeah. just seeing her. Yeah, I, and I also like I don't know. They yeah. could be out there. Anything could be out there. Yeah. So we what? don't know. We don't know. I don't know. <laughs> do what? What do you think? You know what? What do you think? I've never that? also like seen or felt a presence, and then that makes me feel like, am I like not in touch with like the universe or something? Yeah. Like some people, or are those people kind of crazy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I think also in the realm of death and grief, I would never honestly, I would never question anyone. Somebody told me, and this is a really good example of something that pissed me off so hard at the time. And now I laugh about it. But at my mom's funeral, um, this woman who was working with my dad came up to me and she's a lovely lady. Um, She came up to me and she said, oh, while you were up there giving your mom's eulogy, there was a dragonfly flying around your head. And I know your mom was in that dragonfly. And I said, you know, I was like, thinking, no, actually, my mom's in the morgue. Like, she is dead. Her body is in the morgue. We're waiting for her to get cremated. And now I can laugh about it. But at the time, I was like, okay, this is really frustrating. But now I just think, whatever you need to believe, right. to think that, like, to, to find your peace and to have your comfort, think my mom is in a dragonfly. Yeah. You know? Sure. Good for you. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> do, do you. You do you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Um, Speaking of uh, burials, mm-hmm. uh, you wrote about green burials for the green issue. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to know what you thought about um, uh, chemical cremation. And have you looked into that at all? No. So apparently, I read I read this like a while ago, like it's actually very environmentally friendly. Yeah. And it basically, it just turns your body into complete liquid, like everything, even yeah. the bones. And you, like with cremation, like apparently not the the bones don't get i don't know oh yeah 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 so like i don't know it just seems weird and like have you thought about what you would want to do when you pass away now i'm sure you're thinking about it yeah yeah um i know i don't want to be buried Mm -hmm. in a plot i have absolutely no interest in that Um, my mom was cremated and yeah the bones thing was real when we spread her ashes my partner he (laughs) He's like, how am I going to help? How am I going to help? And he Googled like a list of things that you should know when you deal with ashes. And the bones part of it was very real. And so when I think about what I want for the people in my life, um, it's ritual, like a ritual to be able to mourn at a specific time and Mm. to be able to like celebrate that time, mourn at that time, whatever time of year it is, um, but not to necessarily have like a place to go visit my rotting body. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So probably cremation. Do you want to be scattered? Or like put in an urn and like adored or like revered? (laughs) Revered. (laughs) (laughs) A little shrine. Um, The cool thing that we did with, whatever, cool. The thing that I appreciate that we do with my mom is uh, all of us, um, like anybody that wanted a little bit of her ashes got to take some. Hmm. And then we scattered the rest uh, in a lake over in Ontario where she grew up. So I think, and like my dad planted some of her ashes in her garden and I have some here in Vancouver and my aunts and uncles took them. So 
I think for me, I definitely want, and honestly, like what happens to my body and my ashes, that's for the people that, if they want some, cool, cremate me and take my ashes. If they don't want any, why waste it? Because then it puts pressure on people to figure out what to do with them. Yeah. Um, So I think if, you know, whoever's around when I die, which if I died today, like it would be my partner and we've had conversations about this and my dad and my sister. um, Yeah, I would probably be cremated and then they can split up my ashes and do whatever they want with them. Speaking of that, you you wrote about unclaimed remains for the trash issue. Which I illustrated, by the way. <laughs> um, but that's really interesting phenomenon of people not picking up their loved one's ashes yeah. because it's like either their grief is like already done and it's just like, that's it. Or maybe they have a hard time bringing themselves to do it. But that's really fascinating. What do you think they should do? Some of the people you talked to said they could keep it indefinitely yes. or do like a mass like thing like what do you think is the ideal scenario and how long because like there was a rule it was like that you could keep it for a year and yeah that seems too short maybe yeah i don't know yeah so it depends um from talking to the funeral homes and the crematoriums like it depends on their capacity um and it's it's individual it also depends on laws um but i think again like i don't think anybody should be forced to pick up ashes um, yeah. I think the thing that was really interesting about it was at first I was like, why would anybody do this? Like picking up my mom's ashes was really hard, but at the same time, like leaving her just at yeah. like Neptune burial yeah, in Riverside, it felt really wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing is, yeah, like you said, leaving them because you just don't you decide maybe you just don't need them there's nothing you're going to do with them you don't want to look at them um i think that's fine if that's what you need to do um but i think it's it's individual based on the business of what they want to do i thought the mass burial was pretty cool Mm -hmm. because but that was them in my opinion putting a meaning on that person's body and what needed to be done with it that the family like never made a decision about so if it helped them feel better about doing that than just like dumping him in a trash can which is which would feel pretty weird yeah um but yeah i don't i don't think there's for me an ideal but i know some of them yeah they've had ashes for like 50 years yeah and they'll just keep them it's so crazy and probably nobody's alive that ever gonna come pick those up or yeah want them at yeah. that point because I the thing that I wondered about the most with that was and I wish I had talked to people who who had left ashes behind the thing that I was like 30 years down the road are you still conscious of the fact like oh no I know I left them there or are they eventually wondering like oh yeah what happened to their ashes like did we pick them up I don't remember or are people fully aware like oh yeah we left them it yeah, is what it made is. that decision. Yeah. I think it's probably different person Maybe, to yeah, person. Yeah, person to person, right? It's got to be. I can't imagine forgetting. Like, I could never imagine forgetting no. where my mom's ashes are. And then I would feel super insulted if I were the person whose ashes they are. I'd be like, what? Like you? Yeah. If you died and your ashes were left? Yeah. I'd be like, what? Yeah. I think it's a really, like I said, it was and wrote about, like, it's a very very weird experience yeah. yeah um we'd also already had the memorial 
the place that she, her, that we picked up her ashes was like literally in a strip mall. And for me and my dad to go and pick them up like days after her funeral and to feel the weight, like it's a really weird experience. I get why people yeah. don't do it because it's fucking weird. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm gonna say something and you're gonna say happy yeah. or sad and you can expand whatever you wanna do. Okay. So <laughs> this is sort of a funny one to ask you, but grief. Happy. Okay. I'll, do you want me to expand? Yeah. I can expand. Um, I, I think I say happy because I don't think that people equate that feeling with grief enough. Mm-hmm. And I think people feel happy and feel all different kinds of emotions while they're grieving. Grieving doesn't have to be defined by the action of crying or the action of being upset. Um, physically or emotionally, I think it, like, I, you know, my mom died years ago and I feel happy when I think about her mm-hmm. sometimes. I feel sad too, but I, I do feel happy. That's good. Yeah. Okay. I kind of thought you might have a twist answer on that one. <laughs> um, zombie movies. Oh, sad. I don't do scary stuff. Oh, no, no, nothing. None. I almost too was like, what is this ghost stories reading going to be like? Because if it's creepy, I'm yeah, gonna you're have, out. I'm going to have to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which it was not. It was not creepy at all. It was really fun <laughs> and really nice. Um, yeah, no, I don't. Hard, hard pass. Hard pass sad. on that. All right, fair. <laughs> um, memorial Facebook pages. Mm. Happy. I think. If they do something positive for the people that are left behind, mm-hmm. great. I don't want one. Yeah. I'm going to put that out there for my fiance. I do not want one of those. Yeah, I don't know. And it kind of brings up the, the question of, like, your digital ghost. Yes. And, like, do you th- – yeah. What do you – you're going to say something. I was just going to say, there's a young woman, if you're interested in having that conversation um, here in Vancouver doing work in that space – um, her name's Ramila Berryman, and she's doing work to help people better understand what it means when you die and you've left all of your, th- just your existence on the internet in 2019. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it freaks me. It freaks me out. Well, because, like, what would you want? Would you want everything, like, not everything wiped, but it's, like, certain things I don't feel like need to be still be there. So that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately, and I'm like, why does it need to be there now while I'm alive? True. If I don't want it there when I yeah, die. It's such a hassle to find out. <laughs> how do you delete that weird MySpace page that's like somehow yeah, still that's, working? That's got, oh yeah, that's got to go. But then also it's like who's going there? But I think after people die, they, die they, that's they, when people it, go it, down it, that deep, deep rabbit yeah, hole and, and like, oh, find They said like, this weird comment one time on Facebook. My live journal from oh, 2006 man. or whatever. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> what happens with your Facebook? Is it locked down? Or, like, can someone get in there? Well, I guess anyone that has your password or could log in yeah. through your computer. But, but they wouldn't give it to you. No. I don't know how, like, families get in. Or, like, your iPhone. I mean, they couldn't. Like, they wouldn't let the government into people's iPhones. Yeah. So they're probably not letting anyone in, even yeah. if they they're dead. Yeah. Wow. Secrets. <laughs> Secrets. Secrets. All Secrets right. On the wide open internet. <laughs> All right. 
Oh, um, okay. One la- <laughs> last half your okay. said um, psychics. Oh, happy. Yeah? Do, have yeah. you gone? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Have you tried to like... Not grief related. Yeah. I don't... Um, I had a really strange experience with one in Mexico before my mom died um, that was about my mom dying. And it was super weird. That's weird. Um, was it really like close but to... But I... It was... It so she ended it was, a, it was like two years before. And was it like it a It was like very, very, very specific about how my mom, my mom was going to die. It was super weird. Was it And then it was like true? a couple years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was super, it was crazy. Uh, that's weird. Yeah. But for me, I, I take it all with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. I find it really fun when I am not invested yeah. in, in finding an answer. Like, I don't go and be like, I'm going to get my life figured out. Should I be getting married in three weeks? How should I take care of my dad? What's going to happen to me in 20 years? (laughs) Like, I don't need to know that. But I I think it's fun. It's whatever. It's fun. Yeah. Like, you just take what you like about it. And it's like, if they say something weird, then forget it. Just forget it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, is it like a tarot that you went to or like a, like a. All of the above. All, I mean, all of it. Yeah. All of it. Is there someone here you like to go to? No. Um. I wa- I work right by um. What is that place? Um. By Revolver. It's right next to Revolver. Oh yeah. What? It, yeah. That I place. Yeah, I walk by it every day. Yeah. Um, I've never been in. I work over there. I've been in to look at the stuff on the shelves, but I've never been in. For Good a Omen. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I like yeah. that. Yeah. I, like, I would al- go. Also, yeah. I love tarot decks because they're just beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> they're just. Nice works of art. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you read your hor- horoscope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's also, I'm like, I what I have tried doing lately is reading it after. So, like, oh, Susan, it was true. just to, because then I'm not like, it's not like in the back of my mind even a little bit. I'll read it after and I'm like, oh, that's a crazy coincidence. Yeah. You know? What's your sign? Um, I'm a Capricorn. Oh, Capricorn. Interesting. Yes. Um, I have that CoStar app. Have you heard of this no. app? It's like, is it Susan Miller? No, their whole thing is like it's NASA powered by like NASA powered, you know, because it's like where the stars and planets are aligned. It's kind of you use it. It's very cool. Um, I like it because it tells you like very like cheeky okay. things in the day. Like, oh, what does it say today? <laughs> it says, "Do you use gossip to secure your social position?" Whoa. Like they ask you like really intense, really intense. like things. <laughs> like one one day it was like try not to talk shit about someone today. <laughs> I was like fuck, damn. And I didn't right, do done, it. Done. Now <laughs> anyway, coming through. It's good because you right. it links. Um, it's like I. It's like a ad for them, but like yeah. it links you to your other friends on it, so you okay. can kind of see like fun. where you're at. Oh, anyway, enough about CoStar. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming to talk with me today. Of course. Yay. My song choice for today comes from Club Sofa. They're kind of the perfect summer band, like big beach vibes, fun-loving, just kind of sweet, but not in a cloying way, just kind of easy breezy. Anyway, check it out. Here's Birthday Party by Club Sofa.
SADCAST is produced by myself and SAD Magazine. We record at the Vancouver Public Library, and the intro and interstitial music is by Shamir.